lecha lecha dodi ligrat ligrat kala pene pene shabat nekabela lecha lecha dodi ligrat ligrat kala pene pene shabat nekabela la 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 lecha dodi. This is Marsha Lazarus sitting with Rabbi Deborah Gordon, also known as Reb Deb of Barit Shalom Synagogue in Troy, New York. I hear so much joy in your singing, Reb Deb, and desire to connect with others, with those in your congregation and others. And yet I can imagine that being a rabbi in these times can be challenging. I read in a recent Washington Post article that our country is more polarized than ever and the rhetoric more inflammatory than ever before. We see this in the current Middle East conflict, and we recently passed International Holocaust Remembrance Day, a day which remembers the killing of six million Jews and millions of others, including gays, people with mental and physical disabilities, gypsies, those seen as the other. Reb Deb is fearing the other, a natural human inclination, or does it have to be fostered, incited? Jewish tradition teaches that we are innately formed with the ability to make choices. That's our human superpower. One can foster and incite fear and hatred and find really fertile ground for it because it is a human emotion and way of being, um, but one can also foster compassion and generosity and connection. When people are afraid, it's easier to focus their fear into hate and anger, right? Germany, their embrace of the Nazi party didn't come out of nowhere. Between World War I and World War II, inflation was insane in Germany. It, the economic situation was awful. In fact, what you find if you look around the world and through history is that in times and places of economic prosperity and stability, generally the Jewish community prospered. And if you see Jews leaving a place in large numbers and going somewhere else, you're probably seeing a place where the economy is shrinking, where social unrest and possibly military unrest is rising, and Jews who for you know, most of the last 2,000 years were literally citizens of nowhere, were not citizens of the countries they lived in, even if they had been there for generations. Sometimes it's time to get out. So it, there's, there's definitely a connection between what's going on in terms of social and economic stability or upheaval and people's susceptibility to fear. And you got to ask, who, who benefits? right? Who stays in power because they unite their followers against someone? Who gets wealthy feeding off of behavior that, that is driven by fear? I mean, we can see this in politics in the United States. We can see this in politics in Israel. I mean, Benjamin Netanyahu seems to have as his highest priority staying in power. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot that he won't do to do that. One of the things that I have been doing 
over and over and over since October 7th is reminding myself and other people that generational trauma is real. I mean, what we've learned in the last 20 or 30 years about the genetic passing down of trauma from generation to generation, it's underlying every single person who is living between, you know, Don and Beersheba, the North and the South, between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, right? Jews have experienced generational trauma. Palestinians have experienced generational trauma. People who are in the grip of trauma are likely to see things in black and white, yes and no, binary, us and them. And it can be very, very hard when you're feeling so scared and so hurt and so angry to open yourself up to the possibility that someone else on the quote unquote other side is feeling just as scared and hurt and angry. Reb Deb, whichever of my Jewish friends I speak to, whatever congregation they're a part of here in Albany, down in Brooklyn, they all say within their synagogues, progressive, conservative, there is such a range of response and feelings mm -hmm. about this war. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you see it at Barit Shalom, I'm guessing. Yes. And that must be such a tightrope for you to walk because you're the rabbi of the of all the congregants with all their diverse perspectives. Yeah. How do you do it? <laughs> One step at a time. And I see your hair has gotten grayer. <laughs> Undoubtedly. And by being, by, by listening, by being willing to be wrong, by being willing to um, do something different than I did before. Some years ago, Eight or 10 years ago, our local Jewish federation brought in a consultant to do a workshop to help Jews talk to Jews about Israel and Palestine across, you know, from, from many different perspectives. And there were two takeaways that have really strengthened my ability both to, to be the rab everybody's rabbi as best I can and also to, to be open to the other and to people whose perspectives are different than mine. So one was the opening exercise. He put us in triplets and asked us to share two or three memories that were formative for us in how we think about Israel. And I happened to be in a group with someone that I liked and respected very much, but we had very different perspectives. And after we each heard the stories that influenced that influenced our perspectives and helped define our understandings, we understood each other so much better. We still don't agree, but we know where the other one is coming from and why they're coming from it. And the second takeaway from this workshop was there is sociological research that supports the idea that when you listen to someone to understand where they're coming from, rather than to refute them or argue with them or try and get them to agree with you, 
they are more likely to be able to listen to you after that. There are people, there are Israelis and Palestinians working together. There are Israeli Jews and Palestinian Arabs working together. One of my favorite organizations, which grows out of grief, is the Parents Circle, Bereaved Families for Peace, Bereaved Palestinian and Israeli Families for Peace. Everybody has lost someone to the violence, and they believe in understanding the other as the only road forward to prevent more people from losing loved ones to the violence. One of their films is called A Two-Sided Story. And at the end of February, there will be two speakers in the Capital District from the group called Roots, in Hebrew, Shorashim, in Arabic, Judur. This is a group of Orthodox Israeli Jewish settlers in the West Bank and Palestinian activists in the West Bank, some of whom have been in Israeli jails for violent crimes. Since 2014, this group has been working on understanding and connecting to the other and doing education and listening to each other and finding a mutual path forward. And I say, if, the two, if, if those two groups can do it, there's no excuse for the rest of us they have looked at what is it that makes it possible for them to make these connections and work together and believe in a shared future. And one of the biggest answers is acknowledging each other's stories, that two-sided story. I think that that capacity to hold multiple perspectives is one that can be cultivated in human beings. Lecha lecha dodi, likrat likrat kala, pene pene shabat nekabala la 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 lecha dodi.